Welcome to the Complete Manager Makeover Podcast, a management training and leadership development platform focused on providing managers and business owners with practical compliance and employee relations tips, tools, and techniques for every stage of their career or business. Our mission is to slash the statistic that employees don't quit their jobs, they quit their bad managers. Not anymore, because we are transforming the human and human resources with the complete manager makeover. Good afternoon. Today we are going to talk about how to confidently give feedback and conduct performance improvement discussions. This is typically a four hour workshop that has hands on learning, but today we're going to take a about an hour of the content and over the next uh, three sessions deliver piece by piece so that at the end of about a month and a half you can kind of feel confident in having feedback and performance improvement discussions also known as disciplinary action I hate that word we want to correct performance so I'm not a big fan of that word discipline so keep that in mind. We just want to correct behavior, correct performance. That's really the goal of an effective coaching, counseling, and discipline process. So let's take a look at some of the objectives that we've got for today. Not all of these will be covered. As I mentioned, this is about a four-hour content piece. We're going to deliver that first little piece and probably go into effective communication a little bit. So we'll talk a little bit about coaching. What is it? Understanding why we do it. We'll talk about effective communication and what do we need to do differently to ensure that we are effectively communicating in our day-to-day -day coaching discussions with our employees. We're going to talk in another session about types and levels of progressive discipline. When do we need to resort to putting things down in writing? When do we need to just have that verbal interaction? We'll talk about that in a segment a little bit later. And then, of course, the discipline process. When we do have to correct performance, when we do want to go ahead and document that and put that in writing, how do we go about do that? What are the things that we need to think about and look at so that we're doing that the most effectively? Why don't employees do what they're supposed to do? We as managers, we say, well, I trained this person, they know what to do, but they're not doing what it is we've tasked them to do or trained them to do. They don't know why they should do it. We hit on this in your feedback. Maybe we haven't clearly articulated to that employee where their role and function fits into the bigger picture. I mean, I know for me, I like to know what value I'm bringing to an organization as its employee or even worker in whatever sense of the word. Those things are important. How often do we fail to tell our employees how what they do fits in to the bigger picture with what we do? In addition to that, Maybe they don't know how to do it. And that is something that we as managers and trainers need to make sure that we are training our employees effectively. And we'll definitely be talking about that in a future session. They don't know why they should do it. We talked about that. Maybe there are obstacles beyond their control. And they're trying to figure out, what do I do about this obstacle? But when, in fact, the best thing to do is to make sure that they're bringing that to your attention as their leader, because it's your responsibility to remove any obstacles in that employee's workspace and work tasks and job duties. Maybe they don't think it'll work, right? Oh, we did this at my old job. It didn't work this way. So they bring in their own ideas and thoughts 
about what to do, how to do it, and maybe they think their way is better. Not motivated and poor attitude tends to be something that we see as well. And then, of course, maybe they're just personally incapable of doing it. I had a dear general manager friend of mine said once, people get promoted to their point of incompetence. Well, what does that mean? That means that there are some things that we are unable to do. I hate accounting, okay? That's why I've hired a CPA. It's not my forte, so I need to know when to delegate that, which I am incapable of doing or prefer not to do in this case. Now, they may also think, well, I don't have enough time. We saw that earlier, time management. And your responsibility as a manager is to help them prioritize that time. Do you help your employees with a plan or with an A, B, and C checklist? When you give new insight and new information and new tasks, are you saying this goes at the top of the list or this can wait and put that when you've got busy work that needs to get done? As an effective manager, that is part of your coaching processes with your employees and then maybe they don't have enough time to do it we talked about smart goals specific measurable attainable relatable irrelevant and timely what is the time frame are you giving them something that should take a month and saying i need it by friday that is unrealistic so make sure that you're giving them enough time if you've come up the ranks in your field or your industry or your position, think back to at that point at which you didn't know what you now know. Because what you now know as a manager has now become second nature. So be careful and remember to put yourself back in that earlier part of your career and think about how long it took you to take things as you were learning those processes. They may be working on the wrong priority items. And again, this is your responsibility to ensure that you are effective in helping them to prioritize. That's part of effective delegation as a manager. And then of course, they think they are doing it. I didn't know I was doing it wrong. And who's responsible for that? We as managers need to ensure that when things aren't going right, when our employees are not doing things in the right way or in the right time frame or what have you, that feedback happens regularly so that we can nip it in the butt. Make sure that we're correcting the performance as it occurs, not waiting until the review time next year or happen to be talking at the water cooler. We want to make sure that we're addressing those when it occurs because that's what helps the memory. I know what I was doing. I know when I was doing it. Not something that happened two weeks ago. Another reason may be poor management or personal problems. So keep these things in mind as you navigate why isn't my employee doing what I'm asking them to do? Take a screenshot of that so that in the event you need that information, you've got to rethink what could be the challenge that's existing with this employee not doing what it is they're tasked to do. So in addition to that, let's talk a little bit about what coaching is and what coaching is not. Coaching is your first level of defense with feedback and performance management. And when you think back to your favorite coaches, tell me a little bit about that first coach or a coach that you've had in your lifetime. Maybe it was a football coach. Maybe it was a basketball coach. Maybe it was cheerleading or any number of coaches. Maybe it was a teacher that happened to be excellent at coaching. These are all excellent things that we as managers and coaches of our people 
need to ensure that we exude in our leadership. When you think about these individuals who've coached you throughout your career, think about being that for others. Compassionate, inspiring, encouraging, learning from mistakes, because we are all going to have them, right? I mean, there's no getting around the fact that we will have mistakes as managers and our employees will have mistakes as well. How we handle those makes the difference between whether we encourage someone or discourage someone. So definitely keep those things in mind. When you think about that coach, there was a certain reasons why the coach or the manager or your boss was doing some of the things that he or she did. I love to see what Yogi Berra says. You know, you've got to be careful if you don't know where you're going because you might not get there. And I love in Alice in Wonderland and a huge Disney geek, she's talking to the Cheshire cat and the Cheshire cat saying, well, where are you going? She goes, well, I don't know. And he says, well, then it doesn't matter which way you go. We've got to think with the end in mind. What is it, the end result we want our employee to have? If we want our employee to get to a certain end result, then we've got to think of that end result in mind when we start to task them with whatever it is they're going to be tasked with. How do you want them to get from A to Z? What is that task? What is that process? But you've got to think with the end result in mind as you're articulating what it is you want that end result to be. So what is coaching? Coaching is learning and development. This isn't an opportunity where we correct performance. We really are learning and developing that employee in a specific task or function, a communication ability, things of that nature. Coaching facilitates thinking. More often than not, you're not telling an employee what to do, but you're encouraging them to think about how they might do it themselves and making sure that you're using open-ended questions. Well, what do you think is the barrier? What do you think is the reason for the barrier? And giving them an opportunity to think for themselves, that's coaching. Doesn't say that you're not going to give them the answer at some point if they don't articulate it or can't reach it on their, on their own, but first we wanna make sure that we're giving them critical thinking within your organization. Coaching is also one-on-one -on -one and in a day-to-day -day conversation. It may be something that you're walking to lunch together and you happen to mention a way that they might be able to do something differently. I don't like to say they're doing something wrong or right. I, it's a bouquet of opportunity. You've probably heard me say that before. So coaching is also supporting long-term development. What they are learning, what you are sharing with them is not just good for today it's good for the long term as well. And then of course, coaching is always guiding someone towards their goals. What is that end result? Guiding them towards that end result without doing it for them. So in addition, what is it not? Coaching is not correcting behavior. It's not at the coaching conversation that we are correcting performance. That comes later. As coaching, that's that first level of feedback. It's also not giving solutions or answers. Now that's not to say that at some point you don't provide it, but again, facilitating critical thinking skills is really the focus of a coach. It's like on the football court or on the football field, what is happening in that huddle? They are creating the play. Coach isn't saying here, do this, do that. That team is doing that on their own, coming up with that play. That's the end result. We wanna reach the goal line. 
It's also not correct, not delegating or telling someone to do something. That's directing. Directing is not coaching. Coaching, again, is all of those things you listed in your word cloud. It's motivating. It's inspiring. It's learning from mistakes. That is what coaching is all about. And then, again, it's not about addressing personal issues or behavior issues that are occurring. That's the function of counseling, which we'll get to in a minute. The coaching process has several phases, if you will. First is committing to that coaching process. If you've got to decide whether or not you're going to institute effective coaching in your managerial acumen and your managerial style, and so committing to that process, knowing that you have to do all those things in the work, inspire, encourage, build someone up, motivate them, learn from the mistakes. That's a commitment that you make as a manager when you assume that role. The next thing is Organizing a plan for the employee's success, helping establish objectives and expectations. Like I said before, the end in mind. What is the end result? If you have an employee who your goal for that employee is to make, develop them into your role so that you can move on to the next thing, then that is going to require an organized plan to execute because you've got the end goal in mind. If it's a project, what's the end of that project going to look like? What is the expectation? I once had an intern and I tasked him with creating a safety and security compliance manual for the hotel management company that I managed. And I began with saying, I'd like for this to be a binder. I want the binder to have different tabs and in each tab is every area of safety and every area of security. And each tab should have things for item A, item B, item C. And I articulated and detailed what that table of contents would look like and said, and if you find something, if you come across something that belongs in there, then I want you to be empowered to include that. So it became a very comprehensive manual. But again, I began with the end in mind. What is the end result? that I'm looking for. And of course, I went into much detail about how to curate the information and where to find it and things of that nature, but I began with the end in mind. Next is analyzing the employee performance. This isn't about waiting around for the employee to mess up. And then we get to analyze what did they do wrong. It's about really understanding what your employees are doing on a day-to-day basis, on a regular basis. You've probably heard me say before, I am a big advocate of wrap sessions, bi-weekly check-in conversations. What are you working on? What do you need me to do as your manager, your leader, your colleague to help keep this moving forward? Who's doing what, right? That's that huddle conversation. And in those conversations, we should take time to say, how are things outside of work? And creating that rapport, commonality, and communication to build increased rapport with your employees. You should know about their families. You should know the names of their children or their pets or whomever or whatever is going on in their lives because that's a part of management. We can't separate the person from the employee. We are humans first. So analyzing that performance, but setting up commitments to communicate regularly. How are you doing that? Is it monthly? Is it weekly? Is it bi-weekly? That's a critical piece in not only the coaching process, but effective communication plans and effective plan and actions to make sure you're getting things done. And then finally, helping the employees overcome obstacles. In my career, this wrap session, I used to call it, was that time where my employee could say, 
hey, I'm in this project. I've got this barrier. I've tried this, this, and this. I can't seem to get through it. What can you advise me to navigate that? Maybe it's they're working with a senior leader that's kind of tugging on them in a different way and, and keeping them off track. It could be any number of things. Your role as a manager is helping uh, to overcome those obstacles in their projects, in their workday, in their day-to-day. That's the coaching process. I encourage you to take a screenshot of that because that is something that you want to make sure you set up with your direct reports in some way, shape, or form. And so there's lots of different components. We've got five pieces of this coaching process. So the benefits of coaching. I mean, I think we can all agree that there's definite value here. It's about making the time, making the commitment, and ensuring that we're actually doing it and going through every single stage and phase of that process. We can see maximizing individual strengths, knowing when somebody says, this isn't my favorite thing, like the example of me and accounting and finance. Finance, one thing, accounting, not so much. I don't need to be in my QuickBooks. I don't want to be, right? Managing to that individual employee's strengths is going to be critical, especially if you have a team where you can kind of distribute the workload according to those strengths. You know, sometimes we have to overcome employees' personal obstacles. Maybe somebody's going through a situation where they're a caregiver at home and we've got to make some adjustments and we have to take care of shifting accordingly based on your company's policies and procedures, of course, to make sure that we're not losing a good employee for a season of life that has some personal obstacles in it. We want to make sure that we understand that it's continuous learning. That's what coaching is all about opening up their eyes or helping them open their own eyes to see how things might be navigated and done differently. Benefits of coaching obviously include increased skills and competencies and promoting from within, preparing them for new responsibilities. Because guess what? I don't always want to be in this seat as a manager. I want to move up to the next thing. Developing your replacement is a critical thing as you navigate your careers. Most of the organizations that are involved in this session, you know, are growing. That's definitely what you want to see uh, and help employees with new responsibilities. Keep your learning as well. We're always learning and always going to be doing things differently and, and can always learn and grow from the person we were yesterday and bringing that person forward to the better version today. So I wanted to speak briefly about effective communication and we'll probably end here. The effective communication process typically has three aspects, particularly in a face-to-face communication. Three parts include the words that we use, the tone of our voice and the inflection in our voice, and then there's body language. And I'm going to model this for you a little bit. So if I said, David, you look very nice today. He would take himself off me and say, well, thank you very much, right? Or I could say, David, you look very nice today. And that would have a completely different meaning, wouldn't it? Did I use the same words? Absolutely. But my tone, my body language, my sway, all completely changed that message. And that's the power of communication. Exactly modeled so that it's not just the words we use. Like I said before, we can take the exact same thing that we say, say it to a different person, say it in a different way, modify our body language, and it means something completely different. 
So when you're coaching an employee, when you're sitting down for a performance improvement conversation and you're talking to them, but you're really looking out the window and you're saying, you know, we really got to fix this. It's something that I need you to be here on time and this and that. What is that body language communicating? Disinterest, not important, distracted. All of these things really matter when it comes to the coaching conversation, whether it's coaching, counseling, or correcting performance in writing, making sure the words that you're using, your tone and inflection, and your body language are speaking the same message. I often say, you know, when we're having a conversation and we want to make sure that we're coming across as managers that are definitely going to hold our employees accountable, but do so in what I like to say is agreeable terms, coming across not dictatorial in any way, and tone and body language shows that. Being able to show empathy, care, and concern by the way we speak, the way we lean in, the way we smile or not smile, showing the importance of what it is that we're saying because the performance needs to improve. Those things all change how you're seen and viewed as a manager and respected as a manager when you can use words, tone, and body language effectively to communicate in these types of situations. Well, a survey was done in the field of psychology and it found as follows. This research was conducted by Albert Morabian. He was a professor emeritus of psychology at UCLA. And what he found in this was that body language was 55% the communication. 55. I'll give you an example. Body language speaks quite a bit. It speaks 55% of your message. That's what we have to be cautious of as managers and leaders. Our body language will change the message. Only 38% of the message is tone. How high pitched I go, how low I go, how my voice changes based on that. We could completely say something in two different ways and make it the form of a question or a statement. Have you ever had that happen? You hear something from somebody and you go, was that a question or a statement? I know it's happened to me. So tone is very important in that communication process because guess what, my friends? 7% of the communication process is the words. All the other pieces can change those words in a heartbeat based on tone and body language. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening to The Complete Manager Makeover. I'm Lisa Perez. If you enjoyed our show and want to know more about our community or training resources, search for us on the web, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at The Complete Manager Makeover, where I invite you to become part of our community. Please leave us a review and share our movement to transform the human in human resources with The Complete Manager Makeover.